Welcome to episode number eight of the Swiss Army Man podcast. My name is Anthony. You can call me Tony, call me Tone, call me anything you want. Um, but I'm the host of this uh, this podcast. It's been a pretty awesome uh, process so far getting to, uh, through these uh, first couple of them and uh, kind of finding how I want to handle these, um, uh, these podcasts, what I want to talk about, how I want to lay the structure out, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, so thanks for uh, listening and, and, um, watching me grow, I guess, as we, as we go through this. Um, first off, I want to start off by saying, um, thank you to all the cool responses I got to the last podcast. It was pretty awesome. Uh, I wasn't even going to put that podcast out. Uh, I wasn't sure. I definitely thought long and hard about putting it out. Um, but I felt it was something that needed to go out because it was, uh, very true to who I am. And that was the, that was the point of this, um, of this podcast was to show the good, the bad, everything in between um, when I started this, so not to leave much off the table. Uh, I do want it to be light and fun, but I also want it to be uh, an awesome, like, uh, realistic experience, like you would be sitting down talking with a friend um, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm glad that, that uh, a bunch of you guys reached out to me, whether it be actually on Twitter or um, or like in the DMs of Twitter. To, uh, to tell me that uh, they enjoyed the episode. So I'm glad you guys did. And um, yeah, I'm always here. My DMs are always open. So um, if you guys want to talk about anything or, or you know, want to talk through anything, I'm always there too. So uh, definitely feel free to reach out. Uh, we're a community. So let's take care of each other. Um, so to start out this episode, I kind of want to go sort of with something in that ballpark, which is, uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Emma Watson, Hermione Granger, as we all like to know her as, um, uh, trended on Twitter today by saying instead of being single, she identifies as self-partnered, um, to which I'm sure you can guess that the uh, reaction was a little bit mixed. Some people saying it was stupid, some people thinking it was awesome, um, and everything in between. So... Um, I read a little bit about it, so it came out of this um, this interview. I think it was in um, I think it was in UK Vogue. I think I could be wrong on that, but uh, basically, where she was talking about things like approaching her thirtieth birthday and having pressures of like being married and having kids, and um, how it seemed like the connotation of um, being single was like you didn't have your life together, um, and uh, so she. So she identifies as self-partnered. So she's um, she's uh, choosing to be single, um, which I saw a lot of people like kind of bashing bashing her for uh, saying self-partnered instead of single, um, and how it is either the same thing or uh, thanks for making another word that we're gonna have to like you know use in the future. Uh, but it's, I think it's actually a good representation of it. Because I think a lot of people that I know, especially like in my actual like personal life, that are single people, um, talk about the um, the pressures as they get older of having um, having a partner or um, looking for a partner or being off of a uh, like a historical normal uh, timeline of getting married, having kids, um, etc. So for me personally, I uh, I knew I wanted to be married when I was young, um, 
I always enjoyed um, having a partner, um, being somebody that you could like bounce things off of and um, really like take a big interest in a lot of things you have interest in, even if they don't have interest, um, the same interest. Um, they were there to support you and, um, and coach you and help you and uh, be your pickup when you needed it and be your cool down when you needed when you were, were feeling yourself a little too much. Um, and I did so. I, I, I married at, um, I was 24 the first time I got married. Um, and uh, proceeded to have a child um, before, uh, like literally a week after our one year wedding anniversary. Um, that marriage didn't work out. Um, but from that, I learned that, uh, that having a strong partner and having somebody that was, um, very, uh, on the same page is an, is an integral part of having a marriage work. Um, so the second time I got married, I was, uh, a, a lot older than I, than 24, but, uh, but I'd lived, I'd been in a relationship with, uh, with this woman for a long time. Um, so it wasn't necessarily that like we hadn't been together. We'd been together for, for quite a while. Um, so being married to my, my wife is, um, something that teaches me almost on a regular basis. And I'm a pretty hard headed dude. So like I put a lot of things through a filter that is, um, maybe things that aren't as big of a deal as they, um, they seem to be so like for me hearing like a um hearing like a no it's in like in the sense of like a business or like something like that hearing a no doesn't necessarily mean no in the standpoint of like being a salesman like it's more so like what's going to hook the person to buy the sale or to buy or something or um or so on and so forth so uh in a relationship you hear things that aren't aren't no's per se, but like things that are like, hey, you're doing this wrong. And it's like, okay, you put it in and but you're like, it's just caught her, caught her in a bad moment. Or, um, uh, and the, the, uh, the environment was a, in a uh, raised, raised state. So like, that's why that reaction was that or whatever. So I always just kind of thought everything was even keel and, and it was, um, uh, like normal and being like that. Um, it was like, eh, those things, brush them off, brush them off. Um, said a lot of things that like were stupid. Uh, I grew up in a family where like we cursed a lot and we said a lot of mean things to each other and things that weren't, um, very nice. <laughs> um, from the outside, the fam our family looked, uh, very awesome. And, um, I can say that like my parents are still married and, um, and taught me a lot about marriage, um, good and bad and things that like, I, I kind of thought were norms that aren't norms and things that, uh, I didn't think were norms that are norms and stuff like that, but learned a lot of lessons from that and, um, learned a lot of lessons from the, uh, having a partner and treating them properly and them treating you properly. And, um, still at this day and age at 36, I'm in a spot where like I'm still learning and growing and uh, probably doing some of the most growing I've done in my entire life. Um, I, I go to therapy on a regular basis. Um, 
to work on myself, to work on being a better person, to work on um, how to uh, how to interact with like some of the feelings that I have, how to um, maybe get a sense of like what is more normal than like the things that I I thought were norms, um, because everybody has their own backstory and everyone brings their own stuff to the table, and the stuff I brought to the table, which I thought was norm, mole is not normal and um things that i definitely took for granted and and um just simple things like how to talk to somebody um my wife has put up i, I said it in the last podcast i always put up with a lot of bullshit from me um not not anything like maybe super super ridiculously crazy to some people but um i've said a lot of mean things i've said you know i've, I've definitely um not done the things that I should have done as a husband or as a partner in a lot of circumstances. Um, I pushed uh, to have talks when it wasn't the right time to talk, and I've been quiet when it wasn't the right time to be quiet. And I um, I didn't hold up my end of the, the bargain for a long time, and uh, my wife's an incredible woman, and staying with me is an amazing um, superhero feat that, like, I can't even imagine. Like, um, I know a lot of people who see me on maybe, like, Twitter or something um, like that would be like, oh, um, seems like a really good guy. Seems like an awesome guy. Um, didn't do any of the, the common things, like cheating and all that kind of stuff that, like, someone would think of being negative or anything like that. But um, just being very flippant with the, the way I treated someone's emotions and the words I used and stuff like that are things that um, I'm not proud of as a person. And uh, I didn't learn those. I'm 36. I didn't learn those until probably, you know, in the last couple of years. So reading Emma Watson's story of uh, self-partnering and feeling the pressure, I don't think that it's a, every in everyone's cards to get married young. Um, I think some people can get married young, but I think they have to be very, very resilient to people because you're going to deal with a lot of mistakes and a lot of growing from the other person. And if you can't put up with those things um, and uh, watch that person grow or not grow or um, figure that out, then you're going to have a hard time getting through probably those first five, ten years of marriage. Um, whereas, like, I think going through it um, and my my marriage isn't perfect, uh, far from it, probably. And there's people that probably have far better relationships than I do. Um, you learn to, to put up with the good and the bad. And you learn to hope that person understands when good is, is uh, good is good and bad is bad. And that they help you get from the bad to the good. And uh, do it in a way that it works for you. And, and uh, for me, I found I found something that has worked for me as a, on a personal level. Um, but I've left a lot of like left a lot of damage in my way, you know, in in the in the back of like um, that is emotional and like you know um, emotional damage, and that that my wife has to deal with probably I'm sure on her end uh, to even the full scope that I don't even know. Um, things that I've done and things that I've probably said that weren't the way you should have, you should go about talking to somebody. So, um, so Emma Watson self-partnering, um, 
or self-partnered, um, I think is a, it, it's an interesting twist. Obviously, she's definitely single. She's not dating anyone. But but I think what she's saying is, is she's, she's working on herself. She's working on being the best partner that she needs for the situation she's in. She's not going to rush into things that don't seem like to make sense to her. So I commend Emma Watson for saying it. Um, and I think a lot of people will probably use it out of context. And a lot of people will um, say stupid things about it or like super way too agree with it. But it seems like from what she was saying, she's got the right uh, message there um, in being self-partnered. She is... Uh, She's not going to rush into something that, that doesn't make sense and something that um, just to, to fill the social norms of like being married and having kids and all of that kind of stuff. And let's be honest, it's 2000, almost 2020. I mean, we're getting into the phrase where like, what is normal anymore? Uh, Gary Vee says like an awesome thing about business is like uh, the things that we think are social norms um, or the things that we yeah, with things that are social norms now. And the reason why you won't make a decision now on a certain thing is because you're trying to fulfill the social norm of today um, isn't always going to be the narrative. So like 10 years ago, meeting your spouse online and having the person that you're married to uh, be someone that you dated or you found on a dating app online seemed really weird. Now, most people we know have found the person that they're with on a social dating app or like something like that or like through a friend of a friend on a um, on a Facebook or something like that. So social norms change, and so uh, it's it's you know being forty and having a kid, your first kid isn't isn't abnormal, as abnormal as it used to be. Um, you know, getting married later in life isn't as abnormal. Um, I think that comes off obviously from a generation of of kids who have seen their parents divorce um, at a high rate. And realize that maybe rushing into a marriage and sticking to it isn't the thing that they want to do. So why not wait and make sure that person's the right person? Living with your spouse before marriage is probably at an all-time high as well. Um, people who aren't married but in long-term relationships is uh, is more of a norm. So um, found that very interesting uh, that it was trending for a bunch of different reasons. And I thought it would be a good take to go um, down and talk kind of uh, a little bit personal as well as like just the way you s I see things. Um, uh, I think you, treating yourself right and being the best person you can be going into a lifetime of commitment, which is what marriage is, is definitely the way to go about it. Uh, you don't want to be working on yourself in a major way um, while in a marriage because it's tough. It's You have to like you're making changes and that you got to hope that other person sees that change that you're making and actually like believes it because most likely if you're making this massive changes because you have this issue in the past, that's, that's probably broken trust and stuff like that. Uh, whether that be like, I don't know, drug addiction, cheating, all those kind of things fall under that. But if you can be more of who you actually naturally are coming into a, a marriage and maybe that takes you longer in life to figure out who you actually are, it's probably for the better and probably will help divorce rates go down and, all of that kind of stuff. So uh, that's my two cents on that. Moving to a lighter topic. Uh, it's that time of the season where teams are flustered in the NFL. And they are either going to make some moves or change out quarterbacks. Stuff like that. Uh, we saw a number of mainstay quarterbacks 
not playing this year due to injury or like being like moved out of the starting lineup. Uh, Eli Manning, um, Andy Dalton, a number of other ones, as well as we've seen because of injury, Nick Foles and Cam Newton go out while Kyle Allen and Garner Minshew um, took over. And so I just saw uh, Cam Newton got put on IR. He is out for the season. They are going to go with Kyle Allen, which I don't think is a big deal because uh, Christian McCaffrey is a freaking beast of a running back. That dude's just like, if he, he's got a chance of winning MVP and it's going to be absurd. Um, dude is, dude is, uh, the real deal. And it's crazy to see like the, the numbers he puts up and, and how he like breaks through on runs and screens and all that. So Kyle Allen has a little bit of an easier job because he has that, that safety valve there, um, which definitely helps him out. But I think he is also has the confidence that he doesn't have to get all of it in one shot. It'll be interesting to see when it comes to maybe more like, yo, you're the quarterback, so you're going to need to take over a game because uh, maybe Christian McCaffrey's game planned out like by the other defense to stop him and make Kyle Allen beat them. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see as he, as he progresses more and, and plays more games. But uh, so far, so good on that front. Um, the question here is, is Cam done in Carolina? Um it's highly possible, uh, especially if uh, they, they produce well. Kyle Allen seems like a capable backup. You have a guy who's a, probably under contract for a lot, lot, lot less than Cam is. Uh, Cam's contract, I believe, is all the guaranteed money has gone, so I'm pretty sure they can cut ties with him after the season and not lose a dime um, or not have to pay much, I think, in the in the way of process. Uh, I think that's what I was reading is, is I think all of his uh, on-the-books money is gone after this year, so they can cut and dry that. Um so if they do produce well, I wouldn't be surprised if they move on from Cam, uh, which is kind of nuts because Cam, a couple years ago, was in the Super Bowl and uh, looked like his stock was even higher on the rise. I do think he'll have a good second act somewhere if he does go somewhere, especially if he picks properly and goes to a team that is suited to play around him and has a good defense. Um, so, you know, I mean, even a, like a team like the Bears uh, would have been a good fit, I think. They have enough of the receiving weapons. He could, he could, uh, he could attack. They have a good, decent running game. They have a good defense. Something like that. Um, I could definitely see him helping out. Um, even a number of other teams. You're gonna have another uh, a number of teams that are are gonna be looking for uh, maybe to make some changes from other quarterbacks at the end of the season. Um, the Garner Meshu getting benched for Nick Foles kind of makes sense. Um, I was talking to. My buddy Logan about this the other day, and I was like, "Garner Minshew, just keep Garner Minshew." And uh, but they did pay Nick Foles way too much money, and a lot of that's on the books. So even if you get rid of him, you're still eating a lot of that contract. So it's tough. Keep Garner Minshew on that contract. Maybe bring him up slowly. Uh, that way, when Foles can get out of there, they can get him out of there, and maybe Garner Minshew can come in and have a great career. Uh, we've seen some good. Stuff from him, man, some bad stuff stuff from him. Um, but it makes sense that Nick Foles will go back in. They paid him a lot of money, played like three snaps essentially and before he got injured, and um makes sense for him to come back. I didn't think it was funny the other day. They were showing him on TV. They were showing a split screen of him at, during the game. Um, and for some reason, Nick Foles looked like Napoleon Dynamite and freaking uh, uh, Garner Minshew looked like Uncle Rico. It was pretty hilarious. But um, that's the, this is the, the new age of sports with big contracts. Players can make a lot of money, 
and then be gone five years after their career is over. Um, or five years into their career. Or be out of here. Or and then you'll have guys like Foles stick around. You'll have um, a number of like the Fitzpatricks and um, guys that are are capable but don't command the massive contract um, that I think is going to be a little bit more norm. I know you're going to have like all these guys getting bigger and bigger contracts. And the teams that are going to do poorly are the teams that pour big contracts into players that don't produce the numbers they should. While you have teams that are almost in a decent spot of like they have an underpaid quarterback because um, but maybe not the, the most successful but they ha- gives them wiggle room to get out of those deals and get into other um, other ones um, yeah so football is definitely going to be interesting going forward with all of the the new uh, um, with all of the ways that the contracts are essentially um, doing things for the sport of, uh, of football because it definitely changes. So I actually thought about this, and I, I meant to bring it up in a, in a past episode, but I would like to, personally, I hate the parody in football. I would like to see teams go out and spend money. They want to spend money and compete at the top level and pay players whatever the hell they want. So I have two, two kind of plans for this. One plan would be the, and I think it would make it really interesting if you can get another league to almost be a minor league to the NFL, and then even another minor league to the NFL and have like a three-deep system. Gives more players the uh, possibility to not be done after college or, or like a one- or two-year window and be able to make it to the pros. Um, but if you did it like the English Premier System and had the relegation, you would have less teams tanking um, because if you're in the bottom, I believe it's the bottom three, Two, I think, um, get relegated. I, it's two or three. I should have looked that up before. But uh, basically, play an entire season. Champion is champion. Play, you know, even if you go to still keep the playoff system, you take the bottom two, and they are now relegated into the league below. So you'd have teams changing leagues as you go. Then the winner and I think the runner-up uh, of the league below, they become part of the NFL. So say a team come, pops up in Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho wins this tier two. Now next year they will play in the NFL. Could happen that they could be in the bottom two or whatever it is, two or three next year and go back down. So you're flexing through through all the things. Independently owned operations. So it's not like a minor league team to like the Dolphins have a minor league team. But in saying that, you have players and you have transfer windows. Two transfer windows a year. You could freaking trade players in. So it'd be like obviously like maybe week one through week seven. And then week maybe like, I don't know, 13 through 15. I don't know. Whatever you want to go with. And usually it's like twice a year is biannually. So you can make some trades from other leagues if you want or transfer players out. And all this should be just money based. Literally, whatever team wants to play, whatever. So if Tom Brady wants to make $500 million from a team and some team's willing to pay for him, $500, $500 million it is. This would ensure that if play, teams that want to win and pump money into it would pump money into it. Terrible probably for a fan like me who's a Lions fan who probably wouldn't have the team pump money into into the franchise to just go get stacked. This is like the Yankees' philosophy of like buying the best player. But why not? You'd allow players to make as much money as they want. The contracts would be the contract. 
you move the contract if you want to. So say you want to pay Tom Brady $500 million and it's a four-year deal. Guess what? You want to move Tom Brady. You can move Tom Brady. If someone else wants to pay that contract, they can pay it and you can get rid of him. Bye-bye. You can bring in whoever you want. Why regulate it so much? You know what? Parity is nice, but also so is competitiveness. You'd have a probably a higher top 10 teams, um, fan bases, but the sport would grow, I think, exponentially. Also, I think if you had teams that were garbage, like the the Dolphins and the Jets right now, guess what? Now they're in they have peril of like we gotta play good so we don't go down to the second league. Also, though, now they're the best second league team. So guess what? They could win at the second league level and win a title. And then that helps them a little bit in feeling better about coming back up. So it's not bad. And then you do that for a third league as well. So like they would have a relegation and then maybe the bottom one, top one, move up. So you could literally go from in two seasons from one to three. Doesn't typically happen because usually those teams are better. So that'd be one way to go about it is the English Premier League structure. Uh, soccer where they just pay them whatever they want and the teams are competitive because you have superstar teams, and if you don't, and you don't have an owner that wants to pay all that money, either guess what? They sell the team, which would they would probably make more money than they're making now because those teams are more popular and the sport's more popular, so why not? And then also, you'd have owners in there that want to win championships because it's either a revenue boost or you know whatever. So a lot of those soccer teams are like some of the most expensive franchises you could buy in the world. So I like that structure. Second structure is some way of taking the quarterback cap um, number out of the cap. So keep a, keep a salary cap, whatever, $150 million or whatever it is per year. Now you take the quarterback out of that cap. The only, the only caveat to that, <coughs> sorry about that, is the only caveat to that is that you would put a number on, a percentage on the the cap number for a quarterback. So you're not paying a quarterback $90 million and creating issues in the locker room. So if a cap is 150, the quarterback can make 33% of the cap. So whatever that is. So if the cap goes up to 200, it's more money. If it's at 150, it's less money, obviously. So that would be the max you could pay them. Now you're creating a max. It's almost like the NBA with their super max contracts. Also, I don't mind the bird rights issue, like for NBA, where if you're the team that holds that team, that player, you can pay them more than any other team. It gives you the team that has them in a competitive advantage to keep the players. Now you'd have more players playing on one team. So if you think about this, the Steelers are a good example to use. So the last year, the Steelers had Le'Veon Bell, they had Antonio Brown, who both wanted to get paid. They also had Ben Roethlisberger that they had to pay, and they had a bunch of other players that they had to pay. They could have paid Le'Veon Bell and freaking Antonio Brown whatever they wanted to make because they wouldn't have had to worry about Ben Roethlisberger's cap hit. And the quarterback takes up an extreme amount of the cap from these teams. So take them out, keep the cap at the same amount, all the players will make more money, and then the quarterback doesn't count in your cap because it's the one position where no matter how you strategize, that is a key part of the sport is paying your quarterback, having a franchise quarterback that's going to take up a lot of your contract. So you'd have probably the Legion of Boom and all of those guys still playing there. You would keep all of these franchises more intact and have less movement throughout because you'd have 
the ability to pay these players more money and then everybody would stay and you could actually homegrown your talent draft players in and drafting would actually matter more because you'd be keeping your players if they're good and then also not being murdered by a cap hit by your quarterback so um so that would be a good way to go about it too so those are my two options i think you either have to somehow take the quarterback cap number out of the cap so you can pay your players without it having to worry about retaining your quarterback or go to the English Premier League where you have like the the players the teams can get relegated and then also like you can have different flow in there so you have teams trying to be competitive because they don't want to go down so because obviously playing in the second tier is not as uh beneficial as playing in the top tier so um, and then you have teams that are going to strive and teams that could come from like these little tiny towns, keep their players and slowly move up. Um, a lot of times that doesn't happen. A lot of times, like if you had a team in Toledo, Ohio, they would have their player, their good player bought out by a better team, but that brings in money to your franchise. So then you can go out and spend that on like two or three different people. If you've ever played FIFA soccer, it's a really interesting, cool way to go about it. You can actually like do some really cool things with like, um, like selling off players and then like buying two other players to make more of your percentage of your team better and stuff like that. It's a, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting way. I've, I've always thought of that as a way that you could definitely fix like the, the salary cap, salary cap structure of, uh, of teams. You could even do it in baseball. If you like, um, separated the, the talent of players out of like a class system where like everybody has like their top league and then their triple A and double A, you just make them their own independent franchises. Uh, you could do it that way as well. So, But that would be how I would fix the NFL um, and quarterbacks. So uh, moving on from that, uh, I had this interesting... So, okay, so <laughs> this is where it's going to get a little bit screwy. So the other day I was watching uh, Shark Tank. I watched Shark Tank for the first time. I posted it on Twitter. I didn't realize Shark Tank was as big as it was. I definitely got a lot of like side eyes for never having watched it. Even my wife was like, you've never watched Shark, Shark Tank? I was like, no. Um, but I definitely found it really interesting because, like, you're standing in front of some people that obviously can make or break a company. Not necessarily going to, like, for sure, like, give you a guarantee that you're going to have, like, success, but enough so that it's beneficial for you to go on there and, like, sell part of your company to them. Um, or, worst case scenario, you go on, or maybe best case scenario, you go on, no one picks it up. But you now have exposure over national media because you're in front of all these national media. It's really like the only way that like regular cable TV is actually still working in the favor of somebody. Because you can get your product in front of people basically as a free commercial if they don't pick you up. If they do pick you up, then also, cool, you now have a backing um, and that's something you chose to do. So uh, I found that interesting. But that also like made me think of like other shows, and then I saw um, this article that was like totally kind of off of the uh, beaten path about uh, Running Wild with Bill with Bear Grylls, and um, it used to be one of my favorite shows. I was actually like, man, I was like, I wish they still made that show. I didn't know it was on. It's still on. It's on Nat Geo. So who the who knew that? But I didn't. I clearly didn't know it was on National Geographic. Uh, I loved watching that show. It's a very interesting show to see people who are like in the entertainment business and stuff go out and um, uh, be out in the wild with Bear Grylls, who's a, just a, a crazy man, and uh, and does all these 
awesome things and like survive for years on like figs and stuff like that. So, um, but it brought me around. I, I was reading the article. I think it's Brie Larson who's going to be on. I think um, I think it's tonight. I think it's Tuesday. This is being filmed on Tuesday, so I'll probably have this up later tonight. Um, but uh, on who I would want to see, and then on Bear Girls, because I was like, I was like, man, I was like, it'd be interesting to see so and so on there. But I wanted to narrow it down. So I love podcasts. So my my parameter was which podcast host top ten or top five um, would I want to see on Running Wild with Bear Girls, and I came up with a list. Here's my list. Number uh, five. We'll go from five. Number five, Burt Kreischer. Burt Kreischer hosts the Burt Cast, which is an awesome podcast where he interviews mostly comedians, but also other people as well. Uh, just had a really good one with Jim Gaffigan's wife, uh, where she talked about a book that she wrote about having a um, brain tumor um, and the stuff through that. It was a really good, really good uh, interview. You should watch that if you haven't. Uh, Burt Kreischer would be hilarious because he seems like he's down for anything. He's funny as hell. He'll put himself in a weird situation. He has the Mickey Mantle gene, so he'd definitely go for it and uh, and be out there doing whatever he could possibly do, and uh, probably in a hilarious fashion as well. And uh, Bear Grylls would probably be cracking up at some of the stuff. Bert Kreischer, number five. Um, then number four would be Gary V. Gary V is interesting to me. So he's a um, entrepreneur. Um, also, like, investor and, like, just all around, like, smart uh, guy who works, like, probably 18 hours a day. So it'd be interesting, first off, to see him disconnect from working for two days um, and, like, going around Bear Grylls and, like, telling him the story of, like, his, how he, like, immigrated into, um, into America at a young age and then, like, learned how to uh, work hard from his parents and... Um, and uh, just had the entrepreneurial experience and did that in school and then worked his way up um, and started, then started his own business and that thing's going through the moon. Um, be interesting to see his perspective because um, he doesn't strike me as a super outdoorsy type of dude, but he's a New Yorker, so he's got a little toughness to him. Um, it'd be interesting to see the conversations between him and Bear Grylls because he also doesn't like cold punches and he's not, he's not like a um a fluff it up he's very authentic to himself so it'd be interesting to see him like be like bear girls be like oh let's eat this squirrel and you and gary be like what the fuck are you talking about like it'd be a very it'd be interesting to see like that dynamic um next on my list number three andrew santino hosts the whiskey ginger podcast it's a podcast that i found about probably about like half a year ago um andrew santino is a hilarious stand-up comedian actor and um, hosts this awesome podcast where they drink whiskey, and um, he does great interviews, and he has a lot of uh, interesting people on there. Um, he seems to be very much like in the ballpark of like how I I am. Like, I would honestly love to go do the show because I'm not like it's not situations that I would typically put myself in, but I do have the enough of that like y'all try it let's do it and especially if i'm put in a situation where i'm like yes this is like what i gotta do i'll do it so like um reminded me of like andrew santino in that situation where i, I think he like he talks a big game but he's also like this is fucking crazy but then would be like 
I guess I gotta do it though. Like, and would <laughs> probably do it. So I thought that would be interesting. So the Red Rocket would be an interesting uh, Bear Grylls running wild with candidate. Um, he's he'd also be funny on there as well. So um, number two, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan obviously has the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, which everyone knows. If you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because somehow you found podcast through Joe Rogan or someone who started a podcast because of Joe Rogan. So. Joe Rogan uh, crushes life and does a bunch of stuff. He obviously uh, he hunts and he uh, does all that stuff. He's always you know a physically fit guy, so I don't think he would have a hard time with any of that stuff. He's also very like uh, insightful, so I think it would be interesting to see him out there with Bear Grylls and almost like doing Joe Rogan experience, but like while you're running wild, it'd be an interesting combo because. Uh, I think he'd, he'd definitely get a lot out of it, and then he'd have a lot of questions for Bear, Bear Grylls while also being interviewed by Bear Grylls in, a, in that back and forth. I think that would be um, some pretty cool, interesting things come out of that. Um, also, Joe Rogan's hilarious, so you'd have that aspect. Um, and he also is very knowledgeable, so he'd actually be able to, like, um, I think, uh, be really interested in learning a lot of the things that like he might learn while he's out there but then also using some of the stuff that he already knows to, like, be part of, like, advanced um, running wild bear grills. So, last but not least, should come as no surprise, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee would be hilarious on running wild with bear grills. Um, mostly like Andrew Santino, where I think he'd be, like, the the hilarity of the situation would be, would just cause him to joke a ton and then be like, what am I doing out here? But then also he's like an athletic dude and he could definitely probably do a bunch of stuff. Also wouldn't be surprised if like for some reason, like they were running wild with bear rails in like the coldest fucking place on earth. And he showed up in jorts and a tank top. Um, so it'd be the, the situation he definitely would probably not prepare to go do it in the way that he like a lot of people would. And he would just be like, okay, we yeah. up. I'm going to do 75 things and then, oh yeah, I'm supposed to go run wild with Bear Grylls. Let me hop on a private jet and find Bear Grylls. So it'd almost be like just running into his schedule and not realizing that that was in there and be like, oh, let's go. And then he's gone for two days and creating magic on a mountain somewhere um, with Bear Grylls. So that would be my top five. Um, and yeah, I haven't done one of those in a while. So top five there. And that's going to end the show, really. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Um, you can follow me at Patch of Black DFS on Twitter. Um, also, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Swiss Army Man Pod. Um, so, follow either place. Twitter's more active. Um, I need to get better at doing Instagram stuff. Uh, it's just been kind of crazy busy. But. No excuses. I'm going to get better at that. So uh, follow us there. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Tell a friend. Um, share it on your social media. Subscribe. Um, do all those things. Uh, every little bit helps. And I uh, appreciate it. Trying to create a community here. And um, so I'm always open. If you want to talk, if you want to ask me a question, feel free to do it in a public or public forum like Twitter. Um I'm always down to have conversations with people and, or, uh, if you want to be more private about it, you can DM me and we can chat that way too. So, um, look forward to doing another one of these very soon and, uh, hope you guys enjoy. All right. Peace. 
your heart It's more than a machine Pumping blood through your body Doing things we've never seen Yeah, words Come like arrows when they fly With mechanical precision but you're more than bolts Like this city's more than steel and stone Soon your heart is gonna overflow Push it back down, you come up again Cause circuits freeze and androids never dream You're more than a machine Touch screens, fingertips, and pretty lights. We go through the scanner sideways, see you on the other side. Your flesh, all your skin, and all your bones carry all our generations with their futures still unknown. But you're more than bolts. Like this city's more than steel and stone Soon your heart is gonna overflow Push it back down, you come up again Circuits freeze and androids never dream You're more than a machine Than bolts, like this city's more than steel and stone. Soon your heart is gonna overflow. Push it back down, you come up again. Circuits freeze and androids never dream. You're more than a machine. You're more than a machine.